From our studios in North Florida, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome to In Black and Right, the new definition of color commentary. I am the baby-faced assassin of freedom and happy to do so. Also, I am your tour guide through the severely wacky and getting even wackier world of Joe Biden's America. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a lot to do today, but before I get into today's adventure in podcasting, I uh, just wanted to let you know, uh, send us an email, uh, questions, comments, shout outs, you know, you can even send hate mail, I don't care, but uh, inblackandright at gmail.com is our email address, or you can check out our website inblackandright.net Breaking uh, news before we really get into uh, the heart of what's going on Uh, the U.S. Senate has defeated a funding measure to give money to the Ukraine uh, which is about some 60 plus billion dollars and apparently they want Uh, The Republicans, some of them anyway, wanted to make sure that there was border security in this bill. And so now, since Schumer, schmucky Chucky Schumer, wanted it so dang bad, now he's going to come back again, uh, probably with some, you know, nice little trinkets, you know, something in the uh, Christmas stocking of the U.S. Senate. Uh, to get that money to the Ukraine so that the, well, the money laundering can continue. We've already sent some about $120 billion. Now you want to send $60 billion more? Oh, sure, no problem. Right in the middle of the holidays and right in the middle of probably one of the worst economies that, that I've seen, at least in the... Uh, in my lifetime so yeah sure go ahead let's give all that money to the Ukraine uh, which isn't even really an ally I mean I have no problem necessarily with the uh, funding for Israel I, I don't because Israel is an actual ally and it is in the vital national security interest of the United States to help Israel as being our strongest ally in the region. But, you know, hey, what can you do, folks? Uh, Also, uh, getting into some of the more intriguing things, uh, apparently, the big news of the day, at least, excuse me, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the former Speaker of the House, who got the boot un- rather unceremoniously, has now announced that he will be resigning from Congress at the end of the year, which is only a few weeks away. Now, this intrigued me because it's not just uh, McCarthy who's uh, resigning, 
Uh, Patrick McHenry, congressman from my beloved home state of North Carolina and our real doofus, uh, has announced that he is not going to be running for re-election either. And frankly, I thought, okay, hmm, you know, you've got McCarthy announcing today. Last week it was McHenry. What do these two guys have in common? And boop, the light bulb went off in my head and said, these were two of the three numbnuts who gave us the most dysfunctional and the worst debt ceiling deal that I've ever seen in my, in my years of covering uh, politics. Now, the third member of this unholy trinity, Garrett Graves of, U of Louisiana, and frankly, as a Southerner myself, uh, dude, you're an insult. You know, you need to pretty much go too. But then I thought, wait a minute, let's go expand the vision here a little. Now, apparently the only thing that the Republicans did that was of any real consequence had nothing to do with policy. Not with spending, not with the border, not anything, but the fact that they kicked out George Santos. They expelled him from Congress. The sixth time in American history that a member of Congress has been expelled. Now, I'm not going to defend Santos. I'm not going to do that because he was a doof, but he was also a vote. And now, with McHenry leave, uh, retiring, even though he's going to fill out his term. But McCarthy leaves, and all of a sudden, you're now to about a one or two vote majority in the House. Now, you keep this up, you know, if somebody else decides to resign, all it takes is maybe one or two. And before we even get to the elections in November of next year, the, <laughs> the political suicide, the political Harry Carey being done by the Republicans will result in no longer Speaker Mike Johnson, who really needs to step up his game, but you're going to get Speaker Akeem Jeffries. Now that should scare anybody uh, with any kind of sense. Now, given the fact also that Santos uh, was kicked out, that's New York's third congressional, I pretty much can guarantee you when the special election comes, they're going to be pouring a lot of money into that race. And it could easily flip Democrat, which is like, oh boy, isn't that fun? Ugh. But there have been other sort of, I guess, speculations or theories about why this and why now. And I don't really know, and I'm, and I'm really not into conjecture at this point. But the fact that it seems that why are these establishment rhino Republicans willing to slit their own party's political throats 
by diminishing an already very, very slim majority. I don't know. Uh, and I mean, sure, I've heard plenty of theories, but I'm not quite ready to just go down that road yet. I'd like to learn a little bit more and see what happens as Congress is getting ready for its uh, Christmas recess and into the new year. And frankly, I'm not exactly thrilled about Speaker Mike Johnson. I mean, where are the appropriations bills? Where is the hard line on spending? Where is the border security? I mean, my gosh, when Schmucky Chucky Schumer is giving praise to a Republican Speaker of the House, that scares me. That throws up my red alert big time. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, this is going to be interesting to watch going into the new year. What's going to happen? Is there actually going to be any substantive uh, work being done on this crazy spending? I mean, come on, people. Let's get real here. The dollar is being devalued, and there are going to be attempts by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department to somehow save poor Joe Biden's sorry, dementia-ridden butt come next year. Because it, I can totally see it. I can totally see it coming. It's anything to help Biden. And yet, the lived experience of a lot of people, the things that they are struggling with and have been struggling with all stinking year, actually ever since Biden got into office, what's it going to do for inflation? Hmm? I don't see it. There's still, gas prices are still pretty high. Food prices, same. Cost for housing, for utilities. I mean, people are trying to get through the holidays knowing that either they're not going to be able to do as much as they would like, or if anything at all, because they need to take care of their families. You know, I mean, Christmas could be a little rough, uh, not just economically, but also, of course, emotionally and people and people dealing with holiday stress and loneliness and you know, all the things that sadly Christmas and the holidays tends to invoke with some people. But my gosh, this is insane. Why? I mean, my goodness, he can't, McCarthy couldn't just stick around. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I'll stick around for the rest of my term and boom, and I'm gone. And now, but he's going to be leaving at the end of 2023 instead of 2024 which is going to be really interesting to watch to see who, uh, in the interim, takes McCarthy's place uh, in his district in California. Because, frankly, uh, Gavin Newsom being the one to pick uh, for McCarthy 
Kathy Hochul in New York State to be uh, choosing the replacement for Santos until they can get a special election uh, scheduled. Oh yeah, that just, it's coast to coast chaos. That's about the best I can call it. Coast to coast chaos. Um, but my gosh, this is just gonna be, I don't know if it's really going to be fun to watch uh, all the Capitol Hill chaos come next year, but I did make a commitment to you, the In Black and Right audience, that I will be there. I will be duking it out uh, next year as I have this year, because 2024 is way, way too important to just simply sit on the sidelines and not do my homework. So that is my commitment to all of you. But I'll tell you, one thing that has kind of caught my eye a little bit from the National Pulse, and it's a story about Gen Z. Um, and it kind of scares me a little bit because it has to deal with how these, how this generation of younger folks views Hamas. Now, this is a story uh, out of Great Britain, but I'll tell you, uh, it, it's kind of wild uh, just reading this. And, and I just want to just take a little bit of it and I'm just going yee and because it's it's kind of scary it kind of gives a little bit of insight as to what Gen Z is thinking and how they think and it's this is kind of nuts right now given the whole situation in Israel but the story goes like this Generation Z, those born between 1997 and 2012, are just as likely to call members of Hamas freedom fighters, quote-unquote, as they are to call them terrorists, quote-unquote, according to recent polling by the British organization More in Common. Just under one quarter of Gen Z, 24%, 24% termed Hamas freedom fighters with the same amount calling them terrorists. A further 35% said they were not sure. Okay, that right there made me stop and think a minute. And consider this, given what's been going on on all these college campuses, I mean these supposedly elite universities, and even some of these college presidents uh, showed up at a hearing and pretty much got filleted and pretty much you know put in a wood chipper because they can't seem to get into their minds because they think they're smarter than everybody because they're the president of some prestigious university like Harvard or Stanford or anybody you know anybody else at other schools but that just makes me wonder is it any wonder that we have the problems we have on American college campuses? 
is it anything like that? I, I'm like, oh my gosh. This is just nuts to me. I mean, when, given what, if you, and of course, if you've been paying attention, you know what the deal is. You know what happened when they, when Hamas attacked from Gaza on October the 7th. It's really become nothing short of Israel's version of 9-11. I mean, my gosh, this is just mind-boggling to me that the moral clarity or the lack thereof in this Gen Z generation just makes me go, what the heck? This is, uh, <laughs> this is insane. But yet, here we have this poll, even though it was done by uh, an organization in the UK, but it could very well easily be done in America. Because how many, you know, college-age kids or even a little bit younger than that, you know, in high school, grade school, or middle school. I mean, my gosh. I mean, we're teaching them about CRT and gender ideology. I mean, why not teach them that? Well, Hamas are freedom fighters. They're not terrorists. Because, you know, they believed the crap the BS that's been taught to them that Israel is committing genocide, it's an apartheid state, and every single bit of it is a stone is a straight up full-blown lie. And frankly, it's a damnable lie. That Israel is not anywhere near like that. And frankly, organizations like the United Nations who, and especially when it comes to human rights and women's rights, they haven't said jack about what happened to a lot of these women. These, is, these Jewish women, Israeli women, maybe even American women who were just brutalized, uh, sexually assaulted, and frankly, nobody's saying anything. And the American feministas? They are so MIA, the silence is deafening. Now, of course, you got the Queers for Palestine, which is so... <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. I'm trying to be as kind as, uh, as I can, but you... That is so misnamed... Because, frankly, I don't know if these people understand uh, the alphabet community that you can't go over to Palestine or, frankly, any country in the Middle East like that and not get either jailed, uh, convicted and sent to prison, or, no, they just get you on a rooftop and kill you, throw you off. But that's an entirely different subject. Oh my gosh. Ay, ay, ay.
but I wanted to kind of finish out today with a little something uh, that I did yesterday on Tuesday's episode. Now, I talked about yesterday this interview on MSNBC with some with a guy named Tim Alberta. Now, Mr. Alberta has written a book called The Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory. And he is the son of an evangelical pastor. And he went and apparently he's written this book and he's going the rounds uh, to MSNBC, CNN, other networks trying to push this idea of Christian nationalism, which is crap. I've tried to tell people this whole thing about Christian nationalism is nothing more than a media and psychological warfare op to get people who already who might have a uh, bent against religion or anything else. I mean, it's essentially it's a two-pronged war, two a, a dual front. You've got the you've got the mainstream media talking about oh Trump's a dictator, Trump's a dictator, and, and frankly Sean Hannity, it's like sorry dude, you really screwed this pooch so bad, uh, asking Trump that question last night at the town hall. Hey, the people in the audience understood it was a joke, but you just had to push it, which pretty much me which pretty much tells me. Did some of the higher-ups at Fox make you ask that question because it was really stupid? I'm sorry, Sean Hannity. I loved you for a lot of years. I've watched you for a lot of years. But after a serious snafu like that, I, I, I just can't you know, watch you or listen to you anymore. I, I just can't. Because... Everybody with half a brain that's not under the influence of the corporate media Sith, you know, it's like this, I've always said, you know, the, the corporate media, you've got all these other groups and, of course, the, De the Democrat Party getting together. It's like, it's like this one big Jedi mind trick. And, you know, and, and I still think about... <laughs> The original Star Wars from back in 77 and the late actor Sir Alec Guinness, uh, his line that he spoke when they were going into the Moss Eisley spaceport, the force has a strong influence on the weak-minded. And Sunshine Patriots and other folks who just don't seem to understand that this is life in wartime, uh, are not going to understand this. But anyway, I played a little bit of the interview that Mr. Alberta did about his book. And I've learned a little bit more about him since then. Now, hang on. A I want to see if I can pull this up. Um, let's see. Because I, I want you to hear it again uh, just because it's, um, it, it's informative 
It's rather informative, so hang on here. Okay. One moment. I'm just trying to make sure I can get this up and running. I just need a moment. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I found it. And I want to play just a little bit of this because it is illustrative of the way woke Christians are in our country right now. Their uh, inability to, un to tr oh, I mean, oh my gosh. Every time I think about it, I get so flustered at times because it is so stupid. It is so dumb, some of the things that they say. But let's listen to Mr. Alberta try to explain something. Uh, this is one of the panelists asking him a question. There's uh, something else in the uh, Corinthians. The pre former president tried to kind of jumble that. Uh, that is, um, evil communications corrupts good manners, which is, uh, uh, you know, which is what we see from the former president. I think you know what you're sort of what you're sort of getting at here is Christian nationalism, right? I read the I haven't read the book yet, but I read the piece that you put out in the Atlantic about it that ended with the pastor who took over for your father who was trying to fight the takeover of Trump in the in the church. Um, you asked him what's happened to the evangelicals in America and he said they love America too much. It's like they were is that what we're dealing with here? Is this what, what this what the evangelical or at least for some evangelicals that are supporting Trump morphed into Christian nationalism? I think so. And listen, Christian nationalism is, is a loaded term, and it means different things to different people. So I think clarifying in this context what the definition yeah. is is helpful. At the end of the day, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to a citizenship in heaven. Uh, and you are called to be a part of the kingdom of God. And we are warned as Christians throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, prayers and epistles, all the way through. It's not ambiguous that your identity is rooted in heaven. Your identity is rooted in following Jesus. Um, unfortunately, I think this love of country, which can be healthy to a point, over-realized among some of these evangelical Christians, has sort of merged two kingdoms into one. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, folks, do you... Oh, mercy. I can't deal with this. I mean, as I did a little further research uh, into Mr. Alberta... Apparently, uh, Tim Alberta is a staff writer for The Atlantic Magazine, which is a leftist elitist magazine, and it's owned by uh, Lorraine, Powell Jake, uh, Lorraine Powell Jobs, who is the widow of Apple founder, the late Steve Jobs. Huge, huge Democrat donor, or Democrat donor, and this is a part of the, the strategy to take people like Alberta and they write books, they write articles, they appear on TV, they spew forth their messed up, uh, their messed up morality and frankly insincere uh, piety. I mean, uh, that's an entirely different uh subject but to say that america that evangelical christians love america too much and that's why 
they're supporting Trump? <laughs> Dude, no. That's frankly insulting to an awful lot of my friends who are uh, evangelicals like myself. We actually can think, okay? It's not about personality. No, I mean, shoot, if you went totally on that, there wouldn't be anybody, uh, any evangelical that I know, that would vote for Trump. It's because he stands up for us. He was essentially, uh, he reached out to the evangelical community and hey, you know, and he did a lot for, uh, for people of faith. Now, interestingly enough, today is the sixth anniversary of President Trump recognizing Jerusalem as the official capital of Israel and built the American embassy there. Unlike, hello? You know, for the woke out there who just don't seem to get it? I mean, my gosh. He, no Republican or Democrat president ever did that. Not Clinton, not Bush 43, not Obama, none of them. And yet, Trump did it and built the embassy there for only half a million dollars instead of the billions that they were telling him it was going to cost. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not going to deal with this nonsense anymore. I, I'm just not. But keep in mind, folks, there are people like Mr. Alberta and others uh, who <laughs> essentially will do whatever they can to deceive misdirect, misinform evangelicals and try to tell them that, oh, we don't need to uh, deal with this. We need to be spiritual people. We're, our identity is in heaven as citizens. And the problem is he's half right. He's only half right. Yes, our citizenship is in heaven, ultimately as believers in Christ, but hey, we have a responsibility as well. And it talks about it in all kinds of scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, about being about nations, about leaders, and to have righteous leaders. You know? And, and, and this guy is just full of it. I mean, he's, a, he's essentially a walking pile of horse manure who is nothing more than a pawn to uh, get evangelicals to either not vote or to vote, you know, by some weirded out standard. But he is people like him are dangerous. And I'm going to continue to talk about this because it, this is not the end, not by a long shot. As I will tell people where whenever I meet them, whenever I talk to them, be ready. Just be ready.
because 2024 will be an onslaught of information warfare, psychological warfare. I mean, heck, you've got people like Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, and others in the intelligence community saying, hey, just, you know, renew FISA, 12 years, hey. I mean, we'll do better next time instead of the multiple, and I do mean multiple times, that the 702, Section 702 of the FISA Act has been completely and utterly ignored. I mean, even Christopher Ray's FBI, this within the past, I guess, 12 months, over 274,000 thousand illegal queries using FISA section 702 done on American citizens rather than foreigners and they say we're you know we're going to be okay just simply you know no problem just renew it and we're good Mm-mm. new new and new sorry you know, if you got to put some serious reforms in this because if you just leave it as is and just renew it automatically, with this politicized FBI and Justice Department, police people, can we, you know, they really think that you, the American people, are dumb. They really think you're dumb. That is no big deal. Ay, ay, ay. This is exactly why I'm gonna be, I'm a little emotionally conflicted because in one way I'm looking forward to 2024, but in other ways I'm not. And we only have a few weeks left towards till the end of the year. And I'm trying to stay optimistic, but I guess I'm just gonna have to except the fact that I'm gonna end up making some folks mad because I'm going to tell the truth and I really am not concerned about popularity because I'm not. I mean, if I'm telling the truth and I'm doing the right thing, you know, I'm pretty happy because, you know, Jesus is happy because he is the boss. Uh, He is the executive producer of this program and He's my boss, so I'm okay with it. So, my friends, let's call it a day on this hump day. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can check us out at our website, inblackandright.net. You can also find links to all of our social media, including Truth Social, Getter, um, Instagram, Facebook, X, Pretty much everything. Um, But for now, I'm just going to say so long, everybody. Have yourself a great rest of the day. I hope to see y'all tomorrow. And we'll continue with all the fun stuff. And as usual, my friends, patriots come in all colors.